If you, if you got your Bibles, if you wouldn't mind opening them up, I don't have a great transition after that. It's so Mark chapter 4, verse 21. I just want to start with reading the passage. Jesus is telling a series of parables. A parable is just simply a story with a point. And he's talking about what does it look like to grow. And in this parable, he's going to address why some people grow more than others. Why some people seem to have the secret sauce, if you will, to figuring out why experiencing life change, experiencing growth, and why some don't. In fact, he's going to address three areas or things that growing people all have in common. Uh, Mark 4, verse 21, Jesus says, Uh, Do you bring a lamp to put it under a bowl or a bed? And the answer is, help me out. Boy, it's going to be a rough morning if that's where we're going. The answer is, perfect, yeah, perfect, fantastic. Instead, don't you put it on a stand? Yes. Okay. Ingram, hurry it up if we get this. Okay, I got you. I'm with you. For whatever's hidden is meant to be disclosed, and whatever's concealed is meant to be brought out into the open. If anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. And in fact, that phrase right there, if anyone has ears to hear, you'll hear it repeated a lot, and you hear Jesus saying it a lot, and, and we take it so casually. We take it so nonchalant. Uh, this is uh, in the form of an imperative. It is a command. It is listen up. It is what a coach does to a, a, a player before he gets gets on the play, he, he says, hey, listen up, here's the game plan, grabbing you with both shoulders and saying, here's what I have for you. It's what a dad says to his son or daughter where he needs to really get the point across so he gets down on his knees, which I have done many times, and I need to lock eyes, listen, focus, this is important, don't miss this. What Jesus is saying is right here in this little story that It's like, well, yeah, I mean, even you heard your responses. Yeah, we get it. Come on, Ingram, come on, finish it up. It says, in here, in here is why some people are growing and why others aren't. In here is why you can pinpoint back to certain seasons in your life. As we begin to unpack this, you, you realize that's why I was experiencing that season of growth. He, can, he goes on, verse 24, consider carefully what you hear. Again, focus, pay attention. With the measure you use, it will be measured to you. And even more, whoever has will be given more, and whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken from him. Why is it, when you look around and we survey the land, that that some people seem to have it figured out on how to grow, how to experience life change, and you look at their life, you look at their marriage, you look at things, and, and you're like, how did they figure it out, and how do I figure it out? And Jesus says, it's right here. He's gonna give us three things, three areas that growing people all have in common. That if you're growing, these are in place currently in your life. If you're in a season where you're like, man, I'm, I'm really growing. I'm starting. These three things are in place. If you feel like you're stuck, it's like, hey, listen up. These three things need to be in place. 
Uh, three things that growing people have in common. Uh, I'm, I'm kind of saying it this way, that those who grow know because it rhymes, not necessarily because it's all that helpful, but I often mix them up, and so if you hear me say, those that know grow, um, I apologize. Anyways, those that grow know who they are designed to be. Those who grow, those who are growing in a stage of experiencing life change, fundamentally know who they are designed to be. You notice what he said, right? Verse 21, he said to them, do you bring a lamp and put it under a bowl? And we all know. Well, yeah, obviously. You don't put a lamp under a bowl because it's not designed to be under a bowl. It's designed to be a light that brings uh, up high in the house that brings light to everything. It's not its design. I was thinking of the modern day equivalent. I don't have it. If Jesus was going to tell the, this uh, and today, I, I think what he'd say is, you don't use a cell phone like a paperweight, do you? No, no, thanks. <laughs> all right. No, you use it as a phone. You can use it in all sorts of ways. You can make calls. You can use it as a flashlight even now, you know, you can have a camera, but you wouldn't ever use it as a phone. Those who don't understand who they are designed to be oftentimes are not utilizing their life the way they should be, and it's like a paperweight instead of a phone. It's like a candle hidden instead of being lit. I I was thinking about this uh, this week and thinking about the whole idea of light because when Jesus talks about this in the book of Matthew, he, he says, when you know your design, he gives this really big, broad painting of it for you. And he says, you, there we go, are the light, ooh, almost lost it, of the world. He first comes in and says, I am the light of the world. Now that you are in me and I am in you, you, your design, who you're made to be, is just like this light. Now, in here, here's what's interesting. You didn't see me light this and go, oh, man. That just lit up the room. Ingram, thank you so much. Thank, I can read my notes now. So much better. Now, if Matt up there turns off the light for me, a little different, right? Now, let's listen to that passage. Those who are growing know who they're designed to be, and Jesus says of you, you are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden, neither do you put a lamp under a basket or a bowl. Instead, let your light so shine before men that they see your good deeds and praise their Father in heaven. He says, growing people know who they're designed to be, that you are fundamentally intended to be what this light is. It brings life. It brings illumination. It brings guidance and direction. It brings light and life to the hurting and to the hopeless. And Jesus says, that's what you are. You can go ahead and bring the lights back up, Matt. 
something different about the candle when it's in the darkness, isn't it? A light is most bright when it's in the darkness, isn't it? You go to the, see the stars in the sky, and eventually you get out into the wilderness, and where there's no other competing lights, it is brilliant, and things that you never saw before are there. See, somehow we've mistaken Christianity. That is a safe, holy huddle where a bunch of lamps get all together and hang out and listen to Christian music and listen to, you know, do our Christian things and have our Christian everything and we do this huddle. And I'm not saying that's not okay. It's, if that's the only thing we're doing we're, not doing, we're not being who we're designed to be. You. He says you. Not, not someone next to you, not the person next to you. Is it still going? No, it's off. Why? We'll find out. <laughs> but think about this. Jesus doesn't say the person next to you or the pastor or the missionary or so-and-so. He's, he's looking at you, saying your life is intended to bring light and life to those around you. You are most brilliant when you're stepping out into darkness. Jesus would say this later about um, the church. He says, and the church, the gates of hell will not overcome it. What are gates for? Help me out. I didn't study this part. Yeah, defending. See, the church, fundamentally for us as a community, we're supposed to be advancing, not huddling not shrinking back, not staying in our safe little bubble. Growing people know, they fundamentally get this, who you're designed to be. You are the light of the world. That's what you're made to be. You want me to say it in kind of a broad sense? You are made, you're designed to know God, to be in relationship with the God of the universe, and you are designed to make him known. That is who you're made to be. That is the broad, sweeping scope of your life and my life and every person on this planet. Now, the question is, how do you specifically shine? How do you, because there's this broad scope of this is who you're made to be, but then I love this passage. Ephesians 2.10 says this, but you are God's workmanship. Literally, the word, Greek word is poema. It's where we get our word poem, as you can tell. It's a masterpiece, artistry, craftsmanship. Created in Christ Jesus to do what? Anybody know? Good works. To do good works, which God prepared in advance for you to do. Now think about this. In this picture of the light, it's not just for everyone, which it is, but there's a specific call on your life that he's created just for you that only you can fulfill. Only you are designed to made. And if you don't, then not only do you miss out, we miss out, and the world misses out. See, you matter. You matter to us in this community. You matter to the world around you and to your neighbors 
You matter to your workplace. See, growing people know this. They know who they're designed to be. Let me give you just a few quick ways to personally unpack who you're designed to be and maybe help figure out what is it the unique role, the unique way that you're created to shine the love and the life of Christ to those around you. Because it'll look different for every single one of us. I'm designed to be on stage a little bit and talk a little bit. That may not be your deal. That doesn't mean you're out. Some are designed to be, you know, serving over here or sharing with their neighbor over here or doing, we all have our unique design. Uh, In your notes, I got this acronym here literally called DESIGN. And in our intro class, I normally do it during week two, so if you've been through it, you've heard it. Uh, And what I'll do in our intro class, uh, which week two is next week, we're going to dive in more into spiritual gifts and how to unpack your spiritual gift. You don't want to miss that. Uh, First is, under design, is desire. Uh, The diagnostic question here is, what am I passionate about? What gets me excited do you ever think about that? that? That how you are to shine is connected to how, what you get excited about, what you're passionate about, what you love doing? That, that think about this. That God, the universe, made you, and so what, you, what your heart beats faster for, he actually put that in you, and he's going, you know what? You can use that. I love sports. I love basketball. Could he use that? Absolutely. There was a season where I just started playing basketball at a YMCA and just would run in the afternoons. It's amazing the amount of conversations you can have when you're sitting on the sidelines after you lose. Right? What do you do? Oh, I do this. I work in this tech company. I'm an electrician. I do this. What do you do? Oh, I'm a pastor. Oh, really? You don't play like one. All right. Well, that's, a good, I think, a compliment. <laughs> desire. Think about this. What are you passionate about? The next one is experience. Diagnostic question here is, what are my past experiences, both good and bad, that have shaped who I am today? In fact, I would encourage you to sit with that one this week. Kind of, you could even draw out like a timeline of your life and just think through major marking points in your life good and bad. What are the major marking points in your life? God's going to use those. He'll use your bad experiences, some things. There's some people that have dealt with some serious stuff, whether it be um, depression, eating disorders, and all these sort of things. And God's like, I can redeem that. And guess what? You can help and minister and bring light and life to those in the same place. I've gone through abuse and some of these sort of things. Well, first, if you haven't, get help. Get counseling. But he said, I can use that. See, what are your past experiences, both good and bad? Might be a major transition. It might be uh, something with family. Uh, Third is spiritual gifts. What is my primary spiritual gift? Uh, The Bible talks uh, about spiritual gifts, that the minute you step into a relationship with the God of the universe, he says, I've deposited a spiritual gift in you. Something for you that when you do it, supernatural good occurs around you and you experience supernatural joy. That, that as you do it, I, I bring life. And some, there's four major passages. We'll talk on it in the intro. Uh, Romans 12, 1 Corinthians 12, Ephesians 4, and 1 Peter 4. And you can go and look at those and unpack the list, but it talks about leadership, it talks about prophecy, it talks about uh, service, it talks about giving. Some people have the gift of giving. It says he who has... Uh, 
The gift of giving, give generously. Well, guess what? If you have the gift of giving, you probably have the gift of making. Because you're going to be able to make a lot to be able to give a lot. Well, you know what? If you have the gift and he says, he has lead, lead with all diligency. And begin to figure out, okay, what's your primary spiritual gift? Have you asked that question? Do you know? And by the way, it's okay if you don't. It's just not okay to stay there. Okay, it's okay. I talk to a lot of people and they, I don't know my, my spiritual gift. Okay, but it's not okay to stay there. Think about it. The God of the universe says, I'm going to deposit something in you that, that is going to bring about supernatural good around and actually supernatural joy internally. I want you to step into that and uh, to empower you to build up the kingdom of God, to be the light of the world. What is my primary spiritual gift? Uh, so you got desire, you got experience, you got spiritual gift, and then individual style. This is asking the question, who am I really? Uh, and some of you have done this more than others. Some of you are naturally uh, contemplators, and you go deep, and some, it's very hard, okay? And some, you're, you're like, I, I like to stay on the surface, and this is probably more, uh, more of a practice for you to actually take time and ask some of these questions. How do I interact with people? What brings me energy? What drains me? And those things change over the course of your life, too. They don't stay the same. You know, something, uh, you, uh, my wife was like, when, I, when we got married, she was like so spontaneous, and everything was spontaneous change, blah, blah, blah. And, I, and I'm like a stable guy, you know, I, routine. And is, but here's what's amazing. Three kids later, she craves more stability than spontaneity now. Because, well, three kids, it's a little chaotic, it's a little crazy. We need some stability, well, that has changed over the course of time. There's certain things, and that will change. But you ask, ask the question, what brings me energy? What gives me life? What, I, what fills my tank? What depletes it? What drains me? How do I generally deal with problems? I think uh, some of us, I think we all deal with it in three different ways. Some uh, uh, stuff, you just, you hold in your problems. You don't let anyone know. Some seep. You, uh, it just kind of comes out. It doesn't really always come fully out, but it's just this kind of passive-aggressive. It's the undercurrent of comments that come out. And then others spew. And it's just like, you know what they're thinking. I, and, you know, a lot of times we marry people on the opposite spectrum. I, my wife stuffs more. I spew more. Um, and, and so then God's helping us figure out how to deal with it healthily, right? But how do you deal with it? How do you deal with problems? How do you deal with hard issues? Um, how about, how do I go about making decisions? Have you ever thought about that? Like, what is your process for making major decisions? I learned a lesson when we moved to Georgia. It was 10 years ago. I was just writing in my journal, thinking about 10 years ago to this day. We were in Georgia, and Ella hadn't been born yet. Major transitions coming ahead. And I was just thinking about, okay, God, what have you done over the last 10 years? Um, and when, when we went to Georgia, I thought in my head, oh, man, this is, well, this is the only job that I currently have, so I better take it because I got to provide for my family and my pregnant wife, and I don't know what else to do, so we went there, but we weren't on the same page. Jenny, Jenny never wanted to move to Georgia. I'm like, well, it's the only job we got. Here we go, you know. I learned a valuable lesson in how to make decisions. Married, this is a powerful principle. 
you make decisions in terms of we, never me. And, and I learned, you know what, we're never going to make a major decision ever again until we're on the same page together. It took us a long time to sort through and process whether we're going to plan a church or not. But I've got to tell you, and thankfully, it was a we decision. And so we can look back and in the hard times go, I'm sure glad God showed us both because if he didn't, one of us would be mad at the other, <laughs> right? Do you have a process? You do. You may not have thought about it. How do you make decisions? How do you respond to change? So you got desire, experience, spiritual gift, individual style, uh, then growth phase. Growth phase, you ask the question, where am I at in life? And, and here's, think about this. Am I growing? Are you in a season where you're growing? Are, are you stuck? Maybe, are you going in reverse? And, and you can have it in different areas, right? You can feel like in one area that you're growing and another area where you're stuck. You, you can feel like, hey, maybe in this area I'm kind of going in reverse. Uh, one of the areas that I, I'm really trying to learn and grow is how to be a dad to a daughter. I grew up with my older brothers. I had a little sister, but it was just such a boy-centric thing. I got to learn how to be a dad to a daughter, that's the area, honestly, I'm kind of stuck at, and it scares me. As she's turning 10, I'm like, ah, tweener, I don't know what to do. And she's getting, you know, older, and, and so I got to learn. That's an area that I'm, I'm stuck on. How am I doing spiritually? If you are made to know God, your ultimate design is to know God and make him known. And you have to ask this question. How am I doing? It's the most, one of the most important questions you ask. How am I doing spiritually? I think one of the questions you've got to ask here, it's not in your notes, but uh, I ask it especially with um, singles and, and even newly married. So, uh, does who I am match where I am? Who you are personally match where you're at in life. And, and I watch, and I don't mean to harp on these guys, but I, I watch especially like 28-year-old guys specifically, some gals, then that's where they're at, but who they are is they're actually acting more like 18-year-old boys. And, and you got to ask this question, does, does, does who I am match the state in life? I see it in, in, in especially, you know, people who are married and newly married, is you get newly married and all of a sudden you're still acting like a bachelor or a bachelorette and you're making decisions all in terms of me? Well, that's where you're at. You are married, but who you are, you're act, still acting like a single person wanting to go out. Like, no, there's priorities now that you have to rearrange in your life. And what growth phase am I in? And finally, your natural ability. Those that grow know who they are designed to be. Designed to be a light, to bring life. And so there's this tension. And this tension is one where you got to unpack who you are without ever taking your eye off of the uh, truth and reality that who you're made is for others outside of you. We live in a world that says it's all about you and it's all about me, 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 and it's not true. 
So even as I cover design and who you're designed to be and we're going to unpack and think deeply about you, you're thinking deeply about you so that you can go and be the light uniquely who God created you to be for those who do not know him. That tension must always be in place. Natural ability, diagnostic question is what am I naturally good at? God wants to use that. Now notice it's not what do I enjoy doing or what do I like doing or love doing. Not that that's a bad thing, but sometimes, to be honest, what you're naturally good at and what you really love doing aren't the same thing. Right? I'll I'll give you a church example real quick. Um, Say there's someone that loves worship and they love singing and yet they're not naturally good at singing. Well, one, they're not going to sing up here because we'll have the courage to let them know, man, you're just not naturally good at this. And I, I know you have a heart for worship. I know you love to worship. Oh, but we think that you're probably, your heart for worship needs to stay maybe in your car. <laughs> but there's a different place. There's a different place for you to step in that you're just naturally good at. It, it might be you're, arti- you're naturally artistic. You're naturally good at recruiting people. You're naturally a planner. Or you strategy or counseling, performing. Uh, you're naturally a manager or a teacher or a writer. You love to cook. You naturally have that engineering mindset or mechanical. You, you love to design things. You're, you're good at evaluating and researching things. What, what is it for you that you're just naturally good at? It comes easily. Other people look at it and go, man, how'd you do that? And, and it seems like everybody goes, man, that would be really tough. And you're like, no, it just took me a second. I want a big deal. Uh, one of the people that, uh, in our church that I think is so fun is as we're in a hiring process right now, we're lo- looking and praying for and I invite you to pray for it, uh, uh, a community pastor, um, we talked to a gal named Erin in our church. She's a, an HR at VMware, and like she's just naturally good question asker. I mean, phenomenal. And so we spent like two hours just going, oh, that's good. Oh, yeah, that's good. And she thinks through processes and all these sort of things, and God's using that and her natural ability there. Those who grow know who they are designed to be. Who are you designed to be? God wants to use that, the unique makeup of who you are, to impact your world, to see your neighborhood, your office, your family changed. You are not designed to sit on a shelf. You're not designed to hide and be put under something. You're not designed to be a paperweight. You're designed to be the light of the world and those who are growing say, oh, that's me. Is it easy? No, but that, that's me. I, how could I not? As, as silly and as, as it is to put a candle underneath a bowl, it is for me to hide and do nothing and sit and go to church and go about my everyday life, not living out who you're made to be. That's the connection Jesus is making for you. Secondly, those who know uh, or grow know to let it all hang out. 
Notice what Jesus says, Mark 4, 22, 3. For what is hidden is meant to be disclosed, and what is concealed is meant to be brought out into the open. He's saying, if you're in a place of growing, what you understand is secrets kill you. Hiddenness hurts you. And those who are growing, what is common is they know, okay, this is who I'm designed to be. But what I also know is, is that the stuff that's secret, is, I'm just meant to let it all hang out. I'm just meant to be, this is me. The good and the ugly. Why is it that the only place that people let it all hang out is at the beach? You know? I mean, there's... Everywhere else, we, we keep hidden, we keep covered, and then all of a sudden you get to the beach, and it's like, I don't know what happened to people's brains, you know? And they let it all hang out. And some of you are going like, oh my gosh, please do not let it all hang out. Sir. Here's the interesting part. Integrity integrity here's what jesus knows because at the core of who you long to become integrity is at the core of it integrity is simply wholeness it is the internal world and the external world uh, being the same that's what integrity is and so integrity always requires transparency to have integrity is to allow your inner world and your outer world to tell the same story that's what integrity is those who are growing know you have to let it all hang out. Good, bad. It doesn't mean you let it all hang out all the time. It doesn't mean that we become this church that just vomits ourselves and our needs onto one another. You know, that's why we have missional communities. Well, one of the reasons, at least, is that you can be in a community where you can know others, they can know you, where you have a place where you go, man, this is where I'm at, this is what I need. You need to have someone and some place where you can be you. No restrictions. Those who know, they know to let it all hang out. And here's what Jesus said when he applied it in Matthew was the good. He supplies it with the good. He says, your relationship with God. He said, he said, just share it. Share it with everyone. Don't keep it a secret. See, the most effective evangelism isn't like going up to people and, have you heard about Jesus? Blah, blah, blah. That may work. And some people, that works. I think one of the most effective ways is just simply, hey, tell me your story. Tell me a little bit about you. Any normal human being will then ask you after you've actually listened, responded, and taken a sincere interest in who they are, well, tell me about you. Tell me about your story. Tell me about your background. What do you do? And for those of us who are followers of Jesus, the center point of our lives is him. How could we not talk about him when someone asks us about our lives? It's impossible. Well, I just, you know... My story is this, and Jesus really got a hold of my life in my senior year of high school, and it, it honestly changed everything. In fact, the whole trajectory of my life, I wanted to be a drummer. That was my whole aim. If you don't know, my whole aim in life was to be a rock drummer, and that's, ever since I met Jesus, I all of a sudden started thinking differently and dreaming differently, and I became a pastor. I let it all hang out. And then he also says on the ugly side of it, the negative side. Luke applies this, and he talks about the Pharisees and their hypocrisy and their coveredness. He says, just don't be like that. 
Don't talk a talk. And here's what hypocrisy does. We hide it and we act like we're good on the outside. And then we judge what was actually happening in our hearts already more harshly on the outside. And so we condemn people and and we actually are doing the same thing internally because we're convicted by what they're doing. And so we feel better if we condemn them. He says, no, no, no. Those who grow, no. Hey, who you're designed to be and to let it all hang out. The good, man, it's my relationship with Jesus. Ugly. This is where I'm at. This is what I'm struggling with. Integrity requires transparency. And uh, finally, those who are growing know it's not the thought that counts. It's not the thought that counts. I don't know where this line came from if you know, but man, did it not help me in my first year of marriage. Because it's not the thought that counts. Honey, I, I thought about getting you flowers. Well, I'll tell you what, it's not the thought that counts. Hey, think about it with your car. I thought about getting the oil change. It's not the thought that counts. I, I, I thought about putting gas in it for you. It's not the thought that counts. Think about it in uh, the world of food, you know. Uh, I thought about eating healthy. It's still not the thought that counts. I thought about exercising. Wouldn't it be amazing if that worked, though? I mean, like, oh, that would be fantastic. I'd make an info commercial and make billions, you know. But basically, that's what info commercials are. Like, hey, it's the thought that counts. You can sit here and have this thing on your belly, and you'll lose tons and tons of weight. Well, no, it's not the thought that counts. Listen to what Jesus says here. Consider carefully what you hear. Consider carefully what you hear. Because here's what you need to know. We understand it in the physical world, and yet we don't apply it to our spiritual relationships around us, or even internally with our own self. Here's what he says. With the measure you use, it will be measured to you. With the measure you use, it will be measured to you even more. Whoever has will be given more, and whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken from him. You know what this is saying? You get out what you put in. You ever had a teacher say to that? You know, start the beginning of the class. Hey, class, I want to tell you, you know, you're going to get out of this class what you put into it. The work you put into it is exactly what you're going to get out of it. And, you know, as a high school student, you're like, whatever. And then years later, you're like, oh, that's actually 100% true. I, I don't know if this is a helpful illustration or not, but I, when I was thinking about measure and you getting out what you put in, the reality is, is here's a tablespoon of corn, and I put it in there. How much corn do I have in here? (laughs) Not quite. A tablespoon. It is ludicrous, asinine, to think that I'm going to get more than a tablespoon's worth out of this. And somehow we think there's magic beans to our spiritual life. And well, if I put in a tiny bit of work or a tiny bit of this and 
Like, okay, well then, you know what? Then we have a, a quarter cup. You get, well, you got a little bit more. Jesus is saying is, you get to determine the measure. You. You're going to get out of it what you put in. You get to determine the measure. Is it a tablespoon worth? Is it this worth? Is it the whole thing? And is there sacrifice? Absolutely. Think about this. A farmer goes out to plant, and he puts in one kernel of corn into the ground. The expectation in his mind is not that he'll have this massive acreage of croppage of cornage. Yes. Is it? Not carnage, cornage. It's that one stalk. Now that stalk, here's what he said, and what you put in, even more. That stalk is going to produce more than one kernel, isn't it? But it's still not going to be a harvest. And it takes great faith, doesn't it, to take what you could use now and to scatter it. I don't want to clean it up. That's why I didn't want to scatter it. But what Jesus is saying is somehow we buy in in the area of growing that is the thought that counts. That, well, I had good intentions. And it's the difference between good intentions and good decisions. Good intentions and good decisions. And the old adage, you know the old adage, the road to hell is paved with good intentions. You're fundamentally in the growth process going to get out what you put into it. Those that grow know. They know this. They know who they're designed to be, that they're made to be light, made to advance against the darkness, that they're most brightly in the hopeless situations. They know. Uh, they know that it is, you know, to let it all hang out, to be real. That's winsome, by the way. That's what a hurting world wants to see is just real people learning what it looks like to walk with Jesus. And they also know that if you just rely on good intentions, it's simply wishful thinking and you will not grow. You gotta put your feet to the fire. It's not the thought that counts. So let me give you a little maybe uh, action plan or uh, application here as we close. First, would you make a personal commitment to grow? Like write it down. Like this morning, starting into the fall, my kids start school in a week and a half, so I'm thinking through the fall, and I wrote down, Four main areas that I, I personally go, God, I want to see growth in. We've been writing it, remember, at the top of our notes, where do we want to see growth in? And one was, you know, personal, some areas, oh, God, I want to see growth in. One is with my wife and relationship. And uh, for me personally, I'm going like, man, when I, I want to communicate better. If you, that's the area you can hold me accountable to. Hey, are you communicating better? Because I, I don't notice my tone, and a lot of times it's harsh, and I want, want to be, have a gentle tone. So that's the area I want to grow in with my kids. I was just sharing with Ella, like how I, I just want to grow in being a dad, especially a dad to a daughter. I, boys I get, and we rough and tumble, but oh man, daughter, it's like, whoa, way over my head. 
How about you? What are the areas you want to grow in? Write it down. Don't just talk about it. Research shows that if you simply talk about an idea, there's, uh, that it actually tricks your mind into thinking that you've accomplished something and you're less likely to do it. Write it down. And then next is value the process more than event. After you make a, a personal commitment, what you've got to do is it's more than an event, it's more than a feeling, it's more than a one-time deal. It's a process. It, it is a time, and it takes time. It doesn't happen overnight. Uh, my kids and my boys and I especially, we've been watching um, American Ninja Warrior. Anybody? Yeah. yeah. My kid's in the back. And I mean, they're like jungle gymling everywhere, and they're climbing off everything. It's getting a little scary. There's some of, sometimes they're getting kind of high. You know, everything in our house is climbing, and uh, there's this one guy on, on there that's an ex-football player, and he's got these great one-liners, and I've, I've been like writing them down. Uh, and we're watching it together, and uh, and uh, thought it was a teaching moment. I don't know if it is. You watch American Ninja Warrior, it's a teaching moment. I don't know. Um, and he's, he said this line. He's like, winners never quit and quitters, quitters never win. I'm like, oh. And so I was like sitting down with boys. I'm like, all right, so let's talk about that. Because when you're young, when you're little, my boys especially, they want to get it the first time. And if they don't have it figured out the first time, then they quit. And I'm like, no, it's a process. You can't be amazing the first time. And that's part of the process with us, isn't it? That we value the process more than the event. And you're like, hey, man, the first time it didn't work out so well. So you're going to quit? Well, as my American Ninja Warrior co-host says, winners never quit and quitters never win. Value the process. The secret of your future is found in your daily routine. Value the process more than the event. And then plan specific time to sharpen your skills. If you do not calendar it in, if you do not prioritize it, it won't happen. My journal, again, this is just the way I think. If you, do what works for you. If it doesn't work for you, and find a way that works for you. I wrote weekly, or actually I put daily, weekly, monthly. And I just started putting, okay, in those areas, and hey, if you've never like worked on this, start with one area. It, period, that's it. Don't go any further, just do one. You'll be surprised at the change you see. But I said, daily, okay, what do I want to do daily? What do I want to see happen weekly? One of the things that my wife and I have done, but we've gotten away from it, and talking about communication, that we haven't done consistently that I want to do weekly is what we call a date in detail. And we do date in details where we sit down generally at the beginning of the week, and we talk about our family, talk about our finances, talking about our future. And, and we sit down and do that. Now, I haven't been good about doing that. We haven't done it consistently for months. Well, on my weekly, I just wrote, okay, calendar out, date and details. That's what I want to do weekly. Because it's going to help, I know, and I've seen in the past, it helps communication so much better. How about you? Plan specific times to sharpen your skills. And then finally, pass on what you learn. Pass on what you're learning. We talked about great questions uh, a couple weeks ago. One of my questions is, what are you learning? You should be asking that question a lot. Pass on what you learn. When you begin to teach what you learn, you, you master and become uh, far more uh, fluent with what you're actually learning. The minute you pass it on, with your kids, pass it on with your kids. With your spouse, pass it on with your spouse. With a friend, with a coworker. Man, just think about if you say, oh, man, I've been learning this lately. Oh, man, that's kind of weird. I don't even know Jesus. 
okay, well, cool, but you help me, thanks. No. Pass on what you learn. Three areas that are common for people that growing people do. They know who they're designed to be. They let it all hang out. And then finally, it's not the thought that counts. You've got to put action. Uh, to bring it all to a head, um, I got a strange gift as we close uh, this morning, this afternoon. Uh, from a friend, uh, mentor, Dan Kimball. He's uh, an interesting guy, and he's pastors at church in Vintage, uh, Vintage Faith in Santa Cruz. And he gives me this, and it was after I made a comment because this was on his desk. And so I went and spoke at his church a while back, and, and this is what I got. And he keeps it on his desk, and he, he goes, Now, Ryan, do you know why I gave you this? And he talks, he talks kind of like that. I said, I think so, but why don't you explain it? He said, you know, the, the ancient philosophers and deep and great thinkers of our day, the poets and scientists, they all had one of these on their desk. And you know why? Well, I think so, but why don't you go ahead and tell me. They wanted to constantly remind themselves the brevity of life. And so that they would today do what matters most. And so they would keep a skull, and I can't keep it out because it freaks my kids out, on their desk so that they would constantly remind themselves that life's short. Live for what matters most now. And here's just what I'd say as we close. In light of even the stuff we're talking about with what's happening in Assyria, life's short. Eternity is long. You are the light of the world. Isn't it time for us to begin to live for what matters most? May we keep in front of us. It's a blink. And you have a purpose. You're designed and created to bring light and life to a hurting and broken world. Let's pray. God, I, I just pray for us as a church because we're entering that uncomfortable part of growing, the part where we have to engage and I ask that you would just meet us here. Each person, as they're wrestling with the reality of, oh, do I actually step forward or don't I? God, would you give them the courage to step into some of the uncomfortable spaces, whether it's finally being fully transparent or making a plan and asking for help? God, God, would you make us a church? Would you make us a church that is your light to this city? That we would see you transform this city and they would experience your love and your grace and your peace and your life. May we live for what matters most. In Jesus' name, amen.